But I just want to place my trust in the King. God, um, we, we can sing songs and declare them, help them to become true in our souls. That when we wander into your turf, <laughs> forgive us for that, Lord, because we know where you want us, and that is safely by, by, by the covering of the King. So, um, God, thank you for that gentle reminder in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm, uh, I, I think that every parent um, who has taught their child the memory verse, children, obey your parents, so it will, will go well with you. There are a couple, so it will go well with you, and so that you'll live a long life. Great promises. Your life will get better if your children learn that verse. And, and the other one that I heard today, too, was uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When people get that... The rest of the word just kind of goes a lot easier down the throat. So I just, uh, that way to go, parents, for doing that. Today's the 14th, so I chose Proverb 14, verse 30 for today. A heart at peace gives life to the body. <laughs> That's a good one. So we're in our third week in our series on transition, and um, this is the, the third week. We've kind of been in this preparatory phase where we've been laying this foundation because the, the thing is that if you keep doing the things you've always been doing, you're going to always keep getting the same results you've always gotten. That's why we're talking about change. And um, the first week we talked about the fact that we, we have several offer, uh, options for how to change and the world gives us lists and ways. And we kind of decided that we were going to kick to the curb several of those faulty change methods. Last week we talked about um, God's plan for change. His starts with getting everybody on board and the most important change that the Lord ever initiates in anybody's life is salvation. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting. As you read the scriptures we were in last week, um, there's a, the word is conversion or converted, which is a kind of an old time, old school way of saying salvation. And we spent time on that. And today we're going to get to a more specific, we're going to get, I, I hope that you will walk out of here when this is over today with a very clear sense of what the Lord wants to change in you what specifically it will be. So we've been in this preparation for change um, and our, our, our plan in this overall process of change. Um, I know God wants to change things in me, um, but how do I change? We're going to talk about that. I'm, it's always, I'm always this way. I do these things that I don't want to do and, or I don't do the things I want to do. Um, and so how? How do I change, God? And um, we're, and we're going to get to the how. And Okay, and as, as we go through this series and we talk about the how, okay, that's fine. I, wanna, I know how now, but I need the, where do I get the power? The power to change. Pretty significant places we're going to go. So where's the resource to actually fuel that transformation? That'll be in the final part of the series. So just to review, um, last week, or the first week it was, I have to eliminate faulty change methods. Got to eliminate them. Last week, I must cooperate fully with God's desire to transform me. And uh, we learned that God's plan for change always begins with salvation. Acts 3.19 says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That times of refreshing is what drove this entire series. And um, we've talked about this, this fact that you can't change yourself. Only the Lord can change you. And that partnership always begins with salvation. I think probably most of us in this room have at some point made a decision to invite the king into our heart as Lord and Savior. I'd say most of you. And um, we try to keep track of when people make those kinds of decisions in church services and at camp and at VBS. And uh, I, I would be sa safe to tell you, I've asked 
people to give me statistics. We don't do a great job of counting, but uh, I would say over the last 12 months that at, at, at our, our, our services or in other places that we've had somewhere between at least 40, um, maybe as high as 80 or even 100 people in the last 12 months um, because of the ministry that you help provide to our community, way to go. So people are making that decision. They're professing their faith in Christ. And uh, if you haven't made that choice, you should make that choice right this moment. You know, there's no reason to wait. Um, right now, you just turn from your sin and, and invite Christ by faith to come into your life as, as Lord and Savior, and he'll forgive you. There's a scriptural promise that says, says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord for, with faith for salvation, they'll be saved. Every single one. And I think some people, and I don't think they mean to do this, but they make salvation this very complicated deal. Uh, but the Bible wants to make it really simple and clear. Everybody who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. And uh, um, that's how it works. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in first, start out in First Thessalonians today. If, it's always a good thing to bring your Bible to church. I know some of you have it in your phone. It's good to have it in paper with a pen so you can write stuff down and you can cross out the verses you hate. I know that means none of the verses, right? Because I'm joking. Um, okay, so and uh, w- w- because we're going to start when we're we're going to um, we're going to pull out this really huge word today. The word is sanctification. God's plan for change continues through something that we'll see this 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 process called sanctification. Now, I think there's kind of a trend in churches across the country right now to kind of I don't they wouldn't characterize it this way, but to kind of dumb down the gospel, you know, to to package it in. Um, simple, user-friendly terms. And um, so if you don't know the word um, um, sanctification, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to dumb this down for you. I just think it's okay to come to church and to learn a word. Okay? So let's just learn a big word, sanctification. It's a pretty big word. Um, Sanctification, (laughs) S-A-N-C-T-M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. Sanctification, big word. (laughs) It's what the Lord does to saved people. That's what the Lord is doing if you know him as, from the moment you leave the cross, it's now in your, it's in your fabric from the moment, from then until you arrive, until your last breath and you are called home to heaven or when the Lord grabs all of us at once, that's where you are. You are in this process of sanctification. It's after the cross, after the forgiveness of my sins and uh, before the gift of eternal life. Everything in that time frame um, is, is that whole season is, is sanctification. And it's a very important word. We're going to see it in the, in the scriptures, 1 Thess- Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to live, some translations say walk, and to please God just as you're doing, that you do so more and more. Paul's talking here about growing in your walk with the Lord. The Christian life is a life of growth. And this phrase, I love this here, more and more. I love the Lord more. I'm obeying more. I'm, I'm in the word more. I'm praying more. God just won't let go of me. He's, he's doing some awesome things in me more and more. Verse 2, for you know what instruction we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. This is the will of God. So really right-hearted people will make these requests. They'll say to me, hey, um, Pastor Terry, I'm, uh, would you pray for me because I'm trying to figure out God's will for my life? This scripture right here tells you 
God's will for your life. Sanctification. God's will for your life is sanctification. Now, God cares about who you marry. He cares about whether you have a dog or a cat. (laughs) I got emails this last week just because I preached the truth last week about cats. (laughs) That's okay. Persecuted for Jesus. Anyway, so... (laughs) I'm going to get more emails now, aren't I? (laughs) Okay, I'll make it easy for you. Okay, so... um, easy target. Anyway, so um, God cares about things like who you marry and where you go to work. I'm not suggesting that, but I I believe the scriptures here are teaching that although those are important, the will of the Lord is not so much about those things as it is about your sanctification. The will of the Lord is more about who you are. The The will of the Lord is about what your character is, what your qualities are, what it is he's trying to produce on you on the inside. He's changing us. I think there's, the, you know, the, the concept is that if you become a person of godly character, you will know what are good things to do. You will know what are the right decisions to make, and they'll be fine. You might make some mistakes along the way, but if your character is becoming more godly, that's the thing that occupies heaven's mind more than, you know, should we buy a house with three bedrooms or four or whatever? Although those are important things to take to the Lord. I think the Lord here, his will for you is sanctification. You know, maybe you think God has, you know, some highest priorities. And I think there are some misconceptions. So let me just, just mention a couple of the misconceptions about what God's doing. I think people get confused by this. Some, some people think, here are three things that I think people uh, misconceive about God's will. Three things. Um, some people think that he's trying to love everyone. Okay. So God does love the world. That's true. Um, but what's going on here isn't a, um, let's circle up everybody, get out a banjo, and sing Kumbaya. That is not what the Lord is trying to accomplish. If that's what the Lord is trying to accomplish, we would all live in communes and, well, that, they tried that in the late 60s and the beads and all that kind of stuff. Okay, some of us are still living there, whatever. Um, but, it's, but that's a Kumbaya fest is not the Lord's. That's a, and here's another misconception about what the Lord's doing. Some people think that the Lord is trying to reach everyone. <laughs> I know, I'm probably stepping on some toes. I mean, he's trying to win everybody. God wants to save everybody. And yet there's a sense that that's true. It's, it's certainly true that God loved the whole world. But here are the words of Jesus. He said, narrow is the road that leads to life, and few are on it. Narrow. You can find that in Matthew chapter 7, words of Jesus. Biblical Christianity will never be more than a minority, Ever. Words of Jesus. It's narrow, and only a few find it. Here's another one. God's trying to bless everybody. You know, God wants me to have, you know, <laughs> a wonderful house and a nice car and the latest iPhone and cool shoes. <laughs> okay, I don't know that he wants me to have the latest iPhone. He certainly, you know, whatever. If he wanted me to have those things, he can make that happen. And that doesn't happen in everyone's life. I mean, if he wanted to fill your bank account, he could fill your bank account. I don't think he wants my bank account full. I don't think he necessarily wants my life easy. I mean, I I don't know the scriptures that tell me that. There are some things about the Lord being my provider, but that's different than than some level of luxury that I would self-define as where the Lord would want me. I think he's more concerned about my character than my bank account. 
and where my God is. Because if my God's in my bank account, he certainly doesn't want it full with little g gods. And if that, was, if that was what God was going for, he could do that. Actually, the Bible teaches us instead that God allows some level of suffering and hardship in order to sanctify us. This is not a popular message, but you see it. And the will of the Lord is this, sanctification. And some, for some of us, in some seasons of our life, there will not be sanctification unless we have some sort of hardship. Because that's when our hearts become tender enough and pliable enough that we're willing to let his fingers in there to touch us. And uh, so um, if we were going to say the message in a sentence, last, uh, the first week it was, i got to fully eliminate um, faulty change methods. Last week I must cooperate fully with God's desire to transform me. Today it's this. I must identify and isolate what God wants to change in me next. Just, just one thing. That's what this whole message is about today. I need to locate and identify specific areas of failure that God wants to turn into areas of victory in my soul. So, I mean, this is, here's the safe question. I will, this is be a show of hands question. You know, how many of you can think of areas in your life where um, things that you know about yourself um, that are not yet what God wants them to be? Anybody who didn't put their hand up, you're just basically saying, no, I, I'm, I'm there, I've arrived. So, I mean, everybody's hand went up on that, I'm pretty sure. And so, so the, the key thing for us to figure out, what is it got, that God wants to do in me next? Because I don't want to see the whole list. Okay, it, it, there, if the Lord showed me the whole list, I think I just my eyes would roll back in my head and I'd drop over backwards. Just let's just talk about for now, Lord. Let's just talk about one thing that you want to do in Terry today. Sometimes we can look across the landscape of our lives and think about all the things that are, haven't been accomplished yet, and it can be overwhelming. You know, I don't know where to start. I felt this way yesterday. I guess transparently with you, Lisa and I have, you know, we bought a piece of property. We lived further, we lived in Olympia, in West Olympia, and for years we were commuting down here for church stuff, and, and um, then, so we bought property much closer, and we've been building a house, and um, we're living in the house now. It's not completely done yet. We, we've um, got a few more things to check off list with those to whom we're submitted. <laughs> you read between the lines on that. Okay, so, and... Um, Yesterday, I got some, uh, let's just say, challenging news about our project, and I don't know um, how Lisa might describe this, but I was just overwhelmed with discouragement yesterday. Um, uh, you know, it sounds like petty, you know, for me to have some little thing with my building my new house that's not going right, okay? I can just tell you that th this is an area of, of um, that the Lord has said, Terry, walk this trail, and it's kind of feels like I keep slamming my head into something and okay, and I walk another, I keep, you know, it just feels, I'm just overwhelmed. And, um, you know, I, I, I just figured it out and I said to Lisa, confessed to her this morning, I wasn't very nice to be around yesterday. <laughs> you see why the Lord gave me such an excellent woman to be in my life? Beautiful, perfect. You know, Mary Poppins was actually written about my wife, practically perfect in every way. <laughs> but I said to her, you know, honey, I just, I, the, uh, we're driving in, I, I'm thinking about this moment, and I said, I just, just need to figure out the one thing I'm supposed to do next. 
And I got this problem that seems pretty overwhelming to us in a lot of us. It's, it's overwhelming in terms of scope. It's overwhelming in terms of cost and stuff that I don't want to borrow money to do. And I'm just not going to do that. And I'm going I'm to solve this myself. And, you know, and, uh, and I said to Lisa on the way, and I said, you know what? I just need to figure out what's the next step I need to take in this. The next step. And for us, for me, my next step is to talk to a specific civil engineer. That's the next thing I got to do is go have a conversation. I'm going to do that. Take my next step. You know, I could have been, I could have brought up another topic besides our house. I could talk about our garage. I need to clean my garage, but I don't even know where to start the thing. <laughs> but there somewhere is the next step, okay? The, I guess the first step is a step out there and acknowledge that I have a problem, okay? So, <laughs> but... You know, and it's the same with life. We, 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 what's next, God? What is the one thing you want to talk with me and spend with me on? What's the one next thing? And I think it's important because a lot of Christians get bogged down. We get slowed down when we, get, when we start looking at this in generalities rather than specifics. We generally want to become more like Christ. Oh, that, that's, that works for us fine, that phrase. But agreeing to a specific thing is a little different. Um, and by only agreeing to generalities, that can actually be a problem. If we want God to actually change us, we will have to at some point get specific with him. James chapter 1 will help us out, or chapter 1, um, verses 1 to 4 to start. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, little mini rabbit trail here. There are, um, I think it's interesting how this James identifies himself. There are at least three people um, named James in the New Testament. This is widely accepted to believe, to be the half-brother of Jesus, okay, right? You get me half-brother, same mother, different father, right? You, you know that story, right? Okay, so, but here he says, um, he, he could have said James, brother of Jesus, but he doesn't say that. He says he wants to be known as a servant of God. I think that's commendable, um, a servant of the Lord Jesus. To the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings, count it all joy. This word count here means consider it. Think about it. Process your mind about this. You're not going to get to the conclusion um, if you don't take some time to figure it out. That's what he's saying. Count it all joy. Figure out that it's all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. Some translations say fall into, and that's how trials come. They become suddenly, unexpectedly. When we fall into trials of various kinds. This word various is the same word used to describe Joseph's coat of various colors, many colors, okay? Um, we, and we all have problems, different kinds of trials. You all came in today with a different list of, you know, you've all got all kinds of different things that we face. So consider all joy when you meet or when you fall into trials, when you, when you encounter these many colored trials. Um, why, why wouldn't we do that? Well, why would we do that? Okay, here's why. For you know that the testing of your faith, that's the part where we get, wait, 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 wait. wait. These trials are on purpose, God. You know, why would I? Why would I count this? Joy? I mean, testing in my faith. So, if you're going through a hard time, if you're going through a trial, don't let yourself say, "What's God doing?" You know, what's He doing? You, you don't have to wonder anymore. He tells us right here. He's testing us. He's showing us something about our faith. He's testing your faith. And, and get this, He's going to help you pass the test. 
Okay, he's, he's going to tell us that. He's going to make sure you pass the test, the testing your faith, because it produces steadfastness. Some translations will say endurance. I saw patience, perseverance. This is the Greek word hupomene. Hupomene is the ability. Hupomene means the ability to, it literally means to remain under, to stay under. The point in this text is God allows trials in our life so that he can teach us to remain under. If he can teach us to remain under, you know, specifically when we're under pressure, we can, he can get us everything else that he needs to get to us. Verse 4, And let steadfastness, hupomene, have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I catch the vital importance there of this hupomene, this steadfastness in every Christian life. Hupomene, it's, it, steadfastness is, is the funnel through which all Christian virtue flows. Let that one soak in for a bit. Steadfastness. James chapter 1 tells us in the, the effect of hupomene, the effect of steadfastness, is being complete. It's lacking nothing. So the subject of this weekend is change, and not generalized change, but specific change. And James points out that God's allowing these trials in order to change us. He's teaching us to endure. So, so for, I don't know about you, but, you know, when you go through some trials, maybe what's the first thing you want to do? I know yesterday I felt like quitting. I, you know, I, th- I just look at that project and say, I, I, I quit you. You know, I looked at that and I said, I'm done here. Forget this. You know, let's slap leather. I don't know what it means. This isn't the Wild West, but this is not what I want. It's not what I signed up for. And, you know, here's the thing, though. That... that visceral feeling of, I, I just can't do this anymore. I won't do this anymore. That's the thing that's supposed to get us before God. That's the feeling, loved ones, that's supposed to, to get us to our knees, to, to, to get us focused on, on, I have to change. What is it about Terry that has to change? It's easy for me to find other reasons for that problem. But for somewhere in this is the Lord doing something in Terry that has nothing to do with my property. I got to get there. The property will sort itself out. That's why I have to change because of who I am right now. I can't keep, keep doing this. That's, you know, I can't change my husband. I can't change my sister. I can't change anybody else. Point to the only thing that I can change. Right? The only thing that you can change is right. Do you agree with that? Okay, I mean, I, mean I, 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 I don't know what else to change, so I can't keep going here, I can't. So, so in order to hopomene, to remain steadfast, I'm gonna have to be a different person. I'm gonna change myself somehow, and, uh, or else I'm not gonna get through this. So, so what do I do to identify, to isolate the next step in that change? Scripture will tell us, ask in faith for God's wisdom. Lord, give me faith and wisdom here about what you're trying to change. Notice in verse 5, God gives an offer about wisdom, about specifics. It says, ask, for God, uh, ask in faith for God's uh, wisdom. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, okay, what's the context here? Wisdom about what? The context here is not so much about, Lord, I need wisdom about how to start a business. I need wisdom about how to raise my kids. Although he, won't, he will give you wisdom about your business, he will give you wisdom about your children. There's, that's a theme you'll find in other places in Scripture. The context here is not so much about that. The context here is, 
I don't know why God is allowing this hardship in my life. And so now, Lord, why, why, why are you allowing this so that I can get on your page, get on the same page with you? That is a why question that God will answer. He says, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. It will be given to him. Everybody wants to know why. You know, Lisa and I pray with people and um, they, everybody wants to know why, 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 why me, why this, why now? Here are some whys that God will not answer for you or me. Here's three whys that God won't answer. Number one is the existential why, you know. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? You're not going to get that answer. You can, you can ask if you want. God's not going to give you an answer that will satisfy you on that because it just won't be, it's, it's, it can't, he, can't, he can't give you one that will satisfy you. And a second one that God will not answer is the ultimate why. What's, God, what's the meaning of the universe? <laughs> I mean, you can find out why the sky is blue, but you're not going to find out the meaning of the universe. I mean, okay. And here's one that he definitely, he will definitely not answer, the ultimatum why. God, I want to know why you have till Friday to tell me or else. Or else what, Terry? <laughs> or else. I mean, God's not going to answer any of those whys, um, you know, but this is a why that God will answer. In this trial, God, why? I mean, what, what, what is it, Lord, that you're trying to get down into my soul in this trial? Right here. Lord, give me wisdom about this, Lord. And when you want some wisdom so that you can hopomene, you can remain, if you, want, you can stay under God's covering, that's a request that God will answer. He said it right there. And the point is, is, is not for wisdom about how to avoid the trial, but God wants to do some character shaping so that you can hopomene, so you can remain. The very change that God wants to engineer in your life is, 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 is this thing, it comes one thing at a time. You know that it comes to you bit by bit, measured by specifics, not with condemning generalities. It's not this kind of a thing where, where the Lord will want to shape something in your life and say, you loser. You've always been this way. You'll never change. That's hell. That's the enemy of your soul. Scripture tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Instead, God will come with loving specifics. You know, Terry, you need to be a little bit more patient. Terry, you, 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 need to, you need to grow in some faith. You, 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 you need to grow in your ability to trust me. Terry, these problems that you're facing aren't about you. They're, it's about something I'm doing with someone else that you don't even know. Could you just trust me a little bit here, Terry? It's that kind of stuff going on. It's, it's, you know, or, or Terry, you, you, you need to be a little less selfish. You know, quit being such a land diva. I've not heard that word from the Lord until this moment, actually. <laughs> you know, or, or, or maybe the Lord's saying to you to be more generous or you're harsh and you're angry and that's not helping anything and we're going to work on that now today. That's how God will come. He'll come in the specifics. And if you're in a trial and you go to God and I don't mean while you're driving the car. I'm talking about going to God where you kind of clear your schedule for a few minutes and you get alone with the Lord. Maybe you're in, you close the door and you're down on your knees. God, why? What's, what, I, help me understand. What, what is it that 
how do I get on your page with this? What's, what are you doing in me? Why? Not, not why my husband, not why, my, not why the county, not, not, none of those things. Not tomorrow. Lord, this moment, what is it you want to do here? Wisdom. Notice in the text, um, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let, ask, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. This means God's not going to be ticked off that you've asked the question, you know, what are you asking this for? No, it's not going to be that. It's without reproach. He's actually very happy that we want to know. He is. And it will be given him. So he's going to offer wisdom about the specifics here. Then notice, though, he's only going to show us this if we ask in faith. Faith, faith in this context means with confidence, this, this reliance, this, this availability, this readiness to hear. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That is one of the most promising yet convicting scriptures because that talks about the characteristic of being unstable a double-minded thought, uh, person, a person who really can't put their faith in God, they're unstable in every part of their life. They're unstable as a parent, as a husband, as a wife, as an employee, as an employer, unstable. So there's something here about really putting our confidence in God. And if you're straddling the fence you know, on this and saying, well, I sort of want to know what God wants to teach me, but I kind of don't want to know, or... Or if you're saying, well, I want to know what God wants to teach me so long as it's one of these three things that I'm willing to work on. But I have a list of things, God, that we're really not going to talk about. Listen, if you have a no-go list with God, I promise you that's where he's going first. (laughs) I can tell by the laughs. You've tried that and you found that out yourself. So self-righteousness is this. It's thinking of the things that I have together are the most important things. And the things that I need to work on are less important. That's what self-righteousness is. And that attitude destroys relationships. If you allow yourself to think, you know, the things that Pastor Terry needs to work on, those are big deals, but the things I need to work on, <laughs> they're little deals. And that's, that destroys fellowship. And it'll destroy fellowship in a family or in a church or any place. Humility is to say, the things that I need to work on are the things of the greatest urgency. God promises here, if you, if you go to him in faith without doubting, and you're not double-minded, you know, that he's not going to disappoint you. Okay, so Pastor Terry, how do I get specific? You know, how do I figure out what this is? Should I expect an angel to show up with a flaming sword saying, today, today Terry, we're talking about patience, um, you know, or is it going to be um, you know, an image you see on the wall at nighttime with a bowl of popcorn? If you've been around Crossroads for any length of time, you know my answer to that's probably going to probably come across like pretty unlikely. Where's the most likely place that you're probably going to hear from the Lord? Any guesses? Give you a hint. It's going to come from God's word. Almost always the will of the Lord is going to come to you right here. Now, I would never minimize the fact that the Holy Spirit does speak to us and the Holy Spirit speaks to us prophetically through other people. But by and large, the lion's share, the 99.9, I mean, some huge percentage of it is going to come straight out of God's word. It's just awesome. 
And did you know that God has actually um, prepared some lists for us in his word to help us figure out what we need next? Okay, because we're almost done here, and I'm going to give you a couple of these lists um, in the letters written by Paul. Paul wrote a bunch of letters that were sent off to different churches, and those became several of the books in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 4 is one sample, place where we should dip in, and it says this, verse, uh, verse 22, to put off your old self, put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through uh, deceitful desires. He's talking here about before you were saved. Put that self off and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness. It's like you take off an old, tired, dirty shirt and you put on a brand new one. I put on, this is a new shirt. I said, Elisa, I'm gonna wear a new shirt today. It's a new shirt. And Paul's describing... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this, this true biblical, this, this God-engineered change that is not like getting a spray-on tan. <laughs> Nobody here has ever had one of those, but you've heard of them, right? Okay, okay. They don't last. They're not real. But it's, this is about taking off the old and putting on the new. Off of the old, on with the new. I know I used to be angry, I used to be frustrated, I used to be harsh, I used to be difficult, but now I'm increasingly, everybody say more and more, more and more. I'm increasingly loving, I'm more kind, I'm, I'm more and more tender, I'm more and more gracious. You know, I used to be fearful or anxious or uptight or sleepless at night, and, but I've been putting that off. And now I'm more trusting and I'm more resting and I'm more in faith and I'm more at peace. Something's gotta go. And something has to come in its place. Off with the old, on with the new. That's biblical change. Here's a biblical list of specific things to put off and to put on. Colossians 3, verse 5, starting in verse 5. Maybe you're wondering, what should I put off? Well, here we go, verse 5. Put to death. That's a, that's a really strongly putting something off. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness which is idolatry. idolatry. Now, this, this is not a brainstorming session. These are specific, specific lists as, that as you're hearing them, you should be saying to yourself, am I like that? Could you help me? Would everybody say, am I like that? Am I like that? Okay, so we'll read these. Am I like that? Okay, so um, on account of this, th- these, this list, the wrath of God is coming, and in these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, am I like that? Wrath, am I like that? Malice, slander, am I like that? Obscene talk from your mouth, do not lie, am I like that? Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. This is awesome, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Verse 12, put on then... As God's chosen ones, here's what's going to come in the place of those things. Holy and beloved, compassionate heart. That's the ability to feel the pain of, of other people. Am I like that? Yeah. Kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. Am I like that? As, as, if, one has a, as if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Am I like that? As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive Am I like that? And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And the passage goes on. That's all specific stuff, loved ones. And, and you, you lose it, you find it. You, you put it off, you put it on. Here's another example in Galatians, one of Paul's earliest letters. 
And I'm not going to keep saying, am I like that? But you can think it as I read each one of these out loud. Um, Okay, verse uh, 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I wonder what those are. Well, here we go. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Anybody ever encounter that where you're flesh wants the opposite of what your spirit wants, what God wants, what my old nature wants. So here, here we are, here are the works, um, starting in verse nine, 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Keep, remember to ask yourself, am I like that question? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, which that's occultism. That's seeking your direction from anything other than God. Enmity, which is, that's this deep-seated resentment. That's got to go. Um, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries. I'm going to beat them no matter what. I'll show them. Um, dissensions, divisions, verse 21, envy, drunkenness, orgies. That's a very broad term that means it encompasses all kinds of sexual sin. And things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If those things are the pattern of your life, and they're unbroken, you're probably not a Christian. You need to get saved. If that's going on in your life, not for weeks, um, but for months and years, you're probably not saved. That's the stuff that needs to go. And after all that goes, then what comes? Okay, what comes? Verse 20, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. If you were asked this question, what's God doing in your life right now? If you were one-on-one over a cup of coffee, I think the most common response is pretty evasive. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, mariners are losing again. It's raining, raining outside. Or here's how you forecast the weather. I heard a Mount Rainier joke. Yeah, yeah, if you can see Mount Rainier, it's going to rain soon. If you can't see it, it's already raining. Okay, right. (laughs) Evasive, right? A second, a second um, common response with, your, with believers is you get these Christian, <laughs> Christianese of Asian. Well, God's doing so much more, and he's teaching me to trust him more. That's the generic, acceptable, politically correct Christian response. Well, he's teaching me about, you know. And we're just filling this awkward space with Christian words. But what are the specifics? What is the decay that the Lord is drilling down in to replace with a filling? You know, I mean, what's the specific thing that God's shaping right now? Identify that. And, and that's where you'll start making some progress in the process of sanctification. So start here. I think we're good for the uh, worship team to whoever's going to join us because um, we're winding up here. Number one, isolate your own areas of need. Isolate your own areas of need. So what I want to do, I want to take 60 seconds, just right now, 60 seconds to pray. And um, before I pray... I'm, I want to say this to you. The scripture says that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you, you will, by the way, you will hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you over the next few minutes. And the Holy Spirit speaking to you about some areas of your life where he wants to build you and, and to fortify you. That's, you'll know that it's the, the Lord as opposed to the enemy who will just tell you how terrible you are, how you'll never amount to anything, and how they, everything's always wrong with you. That's condemnation. That's not ever from heaven. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So uh, I'm going to pray.
And um, for just the first couple of minutes here, um, we're going to have those, or first couple of seconds, because I'm not going to even pray for a whole minute. We're going to put those verses up. You can keep your eyes open if you want or not and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. But um, we're going to give you an opportunity just between you and the Lord to um, just listen to the loving King as he would speak to you for personal and specific issues um, that he might want to talk to you about like that. And you can, as, as we're praying, you know, ask yourself the question, am I like that? So let's pray. Please, one other thing, please do not turn this into a prayer version of dodgeball. Lord, I know this is about the good things that you want to build into me. This is about your love for me. This isn't about being in the woodshed. This is about the Lord shaping. This is about being on the potter's wheel. This is about you breaking off things that need to, to, to be broken off because they're damaging to my soul or they're damaging to the people around me and instead rebuilding me and making me stronger and more loving and more full of life, walking in a way that will lead, Lord, not only me but the, those around me to blessing, heaven's blessing. So, Lord, this is a hard moment for us because for some of us, we're very tender in your hands. For others of us, it's been a tug of war. Forgive us for the tugging, Lord. And as your spirit speaks to us, Lord, I pray, God, that you would have your way right in the middle of our hearts. In Jesus' name. Okay, and then the second thing to do, number two, is confess it. I, I challenge you, before next weekend, pick your time to confess to somebody, a brother, a small group member, um, a Christian friend, somebody that you trust, and God will lead you in that. But I challenge you, James 5, 16 says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Go to somebody you can trust and, um, and you just say, here's, here's something I'm working on with God. You don't have to go into the grisly details. You don't have to list every event. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And you choose where to do that. I understand for some of you, it'll be harder for you to do it at home. But choose, just figure out where and who and do that. And then finally, express to the Lord your willingness to change. Express to the Lord your willingness to change. It says in, in 1 John 5, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. It's, it's his will to sanctify us. It is, Absolutely. And when we go to God and say, Lord, I've gotten specific now. I'm asking you to change this in me. We know that he hears us, whatever we ask, and we know that we have the requests that we ask of him. Express to the Lord your willingness to change. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing here. Um, we don't just come and go to church. We come to your house to encounter the living king. And so, Lord, help us to become new. Help us to become brand new. And for some, Lord, that means salvation. For some, that means turning from sins. And for those that are doing that now, Lord, I pray that you would capture their soul and walk with them and build into them life, that, you, that as you write their name in the Lamb's Book of Life, that your spirit, Lord, would, would guide them in relationships and in a place of health and growth and life into their future, I pray. For others, Lord, maybe some of us have been coasting. Maybe we've been coasting for minutes or weeks or months or years. We've been coasting. Um, or decades. Lord, help, help make us fresh and new. Everyone. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.